Hello, and welcome to Still Digging, presented by the Archeo RPG Collective, the bi-weekly YouTube live stream where a group of archaeologists get together to discuss archaeology, role-playing games, and pop culture. The audio was taken from the live stream. We apologize for any audio hiccups. Now, enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Still Digging episode 3. This this bit's going to get old soon, probably after episode 10. But we are here. We are having a little problems with things like weather and time zones. Ama is not going to be able to make it tonight. She is in Japan and she is some sort of PhD student trying to do PhD things. So she's very busy tonight. I unfortunately cannot make it, but she does wish she was here with us. Tom, is he may show up during the course of this broadcast. He is claiming that thunderstorms knocked out his power. We briefly saw him for a few moments. And he had some candles on. I don't know if it was mood lighting uh, <laughs> for the uh, broadcast tonight, or he really is out of power. Then he disappeared. So hopefully Tom will show up at some point on here, but... Troopers, as we are, I have Sarah in Pennsylvania, and I'm Bill in Maryland, and we are troopering on for this very special episode, because if I say very special enough times, it makes it special. Right, you know, you say a lie enough times, it's true. Yes, but this is very special, because do you know what today is? The day we take over the world? No, it's it's it's, it's Emoji Day. Oh, it is Emoji Day. My uh, My Amazon dot told me that. Yeah, it's Emoji Day, uh, but it also happens to be hashtag Ask an Archaeologist Day. And Lord. I've been, so I spent a little time online today answering some questions from both other archaeologists, uh, archaeological students, and members of the general public sort of asking sort of uh, questions of archaeologists. It's like, well, it's mostly a Twitter thing. The, uh, the the funny thing is that if you're on Twitter as an archaeologist, you are uh, pretty much always going to be there to answer questions. But today is a special day. We had a hashtag and everything. Hence, you can see it in the title. of. I don't know why I'm pointing to the title because it's on my other TV screen, but you can't see that. I was going to say, that. can anyone actually see it? No one else can see that. Well, okay. you can't see it if you're watching it because it's going to be like right here. Right, right there. If you're currently watching live, there we go. It's like right there. It says like, it says like still digging three hashtag ask an archaeologist day. I'm, I'm warning how this whole like digital thing, you know, works. Um, <laughs> we are um, so old. <laughs> yeah. Um, when, uh, when Google kicks us off of the uh, Hangouts, Google Hangouts on air. In August, and we have to f- have to figure out how to do this broadcast through other means. We will have things like proper cryons and hey, sounds bad. Ah. <laughs> ah. Don't sneak up on me like that. He is light too. Yeah, real excited because like the, my power just kicked back. <laughs> are hey, we on? you turned your hat around. We are, we are on the air. Hi guys. I was, <laughs> I was just explaining how we don't understand technology. Yes. <laughs> and that's and that in addition to today, today being emoji day, it also happened to be Ask an Archaeologist Day. I should have remembered it was emoji day and then I could have made like some little emojis on sticks. I don't why are there so many 
national whatever days. Like some of them are like too specific. You'd almost think that they're all marketing ploys as a, as a means to sort of drive drive up attention for certain particular causes and or brands. Yeah. Hmm. What they brand? Work. What's emoji brand? It's not. Well, it is. It's it's forcing you to use one of these things, <laughs> and they, thinking and, and they don't thinking have to force me to do that. I'm that thing's glued to my fucking hand. Mm-hmm. I, so we're only we're we're only a short time away before the emojis themselves become branded objects. I think they are. They are. There's an emojis movie. Yeah, I think they branded a bunch of the emojis from the movie. They did. Don't remind me of that, Sir Patrick Stewart as a piece of poo. What? No, I yes. didn't. I didn't know that. He was the poo. He was the poo emoji. Oh man! It's Sir Patrick Stewart, though. Come he on, Patrick Stewart can pretty much do whatever he wants to. It's true. Hashtag okay. Picard's coming out. Hashtag doggo. So we're rambling right now because one of the things we're doing is waiting for your questions. We've been. We are. If you've seen us on the social medias, I mean me retweeting myself over and over again over the past four days. Um, we, we, and Tom, uh, we, we've, or I definitely want this to be a participatory show uh, where you come in and yeah, have your questions uh, for an asking archaeologist that you have three archaeologists right here. We've lost our academics, so we will have no standards whatsoever. We're just going to say whatever we want. And uh, we'll, just, yeah. we'll just roll with it from there. We're so I think I know, poor Amma. Mama, we miss you. Please come back. We need your doodles. We we need to doodles. Do. My doodles are nowhere near as nice as Amma's. Also, they're all nude, so I can't share them. What's for the still digging after dark? <laughs> oh yeah. I'm doing character studies for my characters in my book so that I can, you know, describe them the same way every time. Gotcha. So Okay, but, so while know. we so while we wait for questions from the uh, chat, we had some. Uh, I we answered some questions during, throughout the course of the day, or found some questions that sort of caught our eyes. I have a uh, question. Oh, we go. Yeah, first question. First question in. Uh, yes. Um, is this uh, Sarah from Philly? You're on the air. What was that? I, it was a bad attempt at a bad radio voice. Yeah, the old timey radio. Hey. Yeah. Um. So I was thinking of a really, because I most questions annoy me on Ask an Archaeologist Day. So I was thinking maybe we could answer the question of what isn't archaeology? Alien. Well, yes. But well, aren't they? They well, did an archaeology dig of, of Area 51. A legitimate archaeological excavation of the Area 51. Well, I will no, wait, out. not 51. Uh, where was it? The, the, Roswell? the Yes, Roswell. There we go. Yeah. Well, we can join the raid of uh, Area 51 next month as we Naruto run Let's uh, in there. And while we're there, we can conduct some uh, archaeological survey. I do. I do wish I could be there with a pair of high-powered binoculars and be about, I don't know, five miles away and just kind of watch as it unfolds, but I don't actually physically want to be there. It's also hot. Yeah. But they picked the worst month to do it, August they in the really desert. They really did. Yeah. Here, even. <laughs> so, so, for me, that's always a weird... I mean, to go back to actually the question question. Correct. You were, you know, what is not archaeology? For, for me, that's, that's almost 
a question that cannot be answered because any well, what's not archaeology in our current understanding are things that don't involve humans and don't involve the material culture that humans the materials that humans interact with. But haven't they started doing the archaeology of bonobo and chimp encampments? But is that well? Then again, you have to, to break down the word. Is is archaeology unique to humans, or is archaeology to study of a? And didn't they species? do something like with dolphins? Definitely don't know about that. Right, but is, is that some? Is that the study of the material culture of a different species, or does that fall under archaeology? Yeah, does I, that. And then you're right, though. In some ways, that's more of a pedantic thing, like about new uh, name roots and things like that. The act of studying uh, a, a, a species through their material culture probably is archaeology. So maybe my first one's already off the board. Oh, good, I'm being saved now. Uh, by... <laughs> it was a good question, damn it. No, no, no. We have a better Ooh. one now. Uh, we have a question from uh, McJabinaglo. Destroying good that. job. Yeah. Uh, do all archaeologists like to get peed on, or is that just you and me? Wow, well, thank you. Thank you. Well, no, I, I enjoy doing the peeing myself, but thank you for the question. Uh, we'll learn um, to screen these bitches, won't we? I know, I know. This, this is what happens when you're live. And, uh, <laughs> the algorithm, which was supposedly to, to uh, filter these things. Um, well, you did say pee. And that is yeah. an archaeological topic. You know what? You need to read it. We're going to show you. We're going to show you. Um, peeing is a very important part of archaeology, especially for our cultural resource management people. Sure. Because when you're out in the field, you're out there all day, whether you're in someone's parking lot, in someone's backyard, in the middle of the forest, in the middle of a wheat field, you mm -hmm. still got to go pee. And not mm -hmm. every project's going to have a porta potty there on hand or an easy bathroom to get to. I like and, how you guys are the ones talking about this as if it's like an issue for y'all. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm merely it's setting it up. It's very tricky. <laughs> I, I am merely <laughs> setting it. I'm teeing it up for you right now, and you're just going to crush it and, and knock it out of the park. I bought um, a lady pee, so I stand up to pee now, too. So That's awesome. <laughs> it is. It, is it, it took me a minute. It took a minute to get used to it. I love it. It goes with me everywhere now. I, well, I enjoy the hell out of the fucking thing. Best idea. <laughs> it really is. And when it's cold, it's nice because you don't have to like drop trow. It's very nice. Yes. I imagine it's still very difficult with like overalls though. I don't wear overalls because I don't like being encumbered when I'm trying to go to the bathroom. So it's just never been a thing that I've tried to wear. Yeah. I'm, oh. I'm a layer person. I do the layers at night in the cold. Funny story about peeing on things though. I did. Uh, I have worked with a gentleman who taught us all the laws of nature, and that is if you pee on something, it now belongs to you. That is the law of nature. So be careful who you pee on. They might end up belonging to you. So I I now own about three snakes, uh, <laughs> turtle. Acres. Um, acres. Acres of land. <laughs> and acres and acres of land. Does Especially if it's a perimeter thing. I mean... <laughs> You're just supposed to pee, man, not mark your territory. It's you. <laughs> it's like pissing dust at the end of this. <laughs> I've almost I got it actually, all. I have actually excavated urea crystals. Really? <laughs> How did you know? Well, well, it was a cesspit. <laughs> oh, fair. Okay. And this was this was on an urban site in Alexandria, and we had a very 
So this is this is the site. I worked on the site. I got some international news coverage because we ended up finding the remains of three boats and m- most of a city block. Nice. Um, <laughs> Uh, including a cesspit, which was brick-lined below, well, it was clay-capped, brick-lined, and had intermittent water flow. So it was completely anaerobic, and there was absolutely no decomposition in some of the lower levels. Ew. Yeah, real gross. But super cool also because we found... Toilet paper, which is not paper, it's just rags. Uh, <laughs> um, um, fruit peels, we had, which included oranges and coconuts. Do you think they were using those? Yeah, I mean, it was it, it, Alexandria is a port town. But what, I mean, would you use it to wipe? Oh no, no, no! They were just there's just food refuse. No, no, I get that, I get that. I'm just like maybe the coconut, maybe, but the orange peel. I mean, no. I feel like that's going to leave you with a tingly after fresh feel. Yeah, but I mean, it's the same thing you now see in porta potties. You can find orange peels all the time inside of porta potties. Someone has a little bit of lunch, a little bit of break, and they throw the trash inside the. Uh, I'll have to go to a porta potty and find an orange peel. Let's go walk out. In the oh, there's a, there's a lot of like interesting things floating around in those things. I mean, I, I tend not to look too hard. <laughs> Bill's like excavating the portal. Like guys, material culture. Material culture is everywhere. We we need heuristics, right? <laughs> this goes back to my conversation. What isn't archaeology? Nothing. Nothing is not archaeology. There is archaeology of all of the things. That is true. It's literally called archaeology of all of the things. Mm-hmm. I mean, even even we can even go as far as aliens at this point. In the at least in the Udvar Hazy Museum, so the the like satellite campus of the National Air and Space Museum, they mm-hmm. actually have from the fifties like alien ray guns and and like Roswell. Well, you can go to the American, uh, you can go to the um, the one in D.C., yeah, and you can see the USS Enterprise. Model D? Going to get yelled at for that one. But yeah, the... USS Enterprise or like the NASA Enterprise? No, the Star Trek USS Enterprise. You can see uh, the model for, the original model for the original series. And the Batman car from the, the King Batman car. That's true. Yes, yes. There's a lot of cool shit at that museum, actually. Batman car. What kind of amateur show is this? <laughs> I mean, it's the Batman car. What do you want? We got, we got, we got aliens to Batman to pee. We're, we're on a roll right now. If it's material culture, we dig it. Amma, please come back. <laughs> we need an adult. I don't see how Amma's going to help with that. That was that was your fault for reading that question that you said was better than mine. Huh. Yeah. We'll see uh, how... All right. Well, let's go back to a question we had during our other other show, uh, Rituals and Rolls, episode zero. But you can catch that... Look somewhere in the channel. It's there someplace. We did have a question. We started talking about something, and it was along the ideas. I mean, it's similar to what we're talking about now. It was, what is archaeology? What makes something archaeology? Or actually, no, and more specifically, what makes somebody an archaeologist? Oh, we're going to do this. (laughs) Well, we started it last time. I think Who started this? Was it me or was it Tom? One of us. I don't remember. I can't remember how we got on it, though. I do. 
has to do with a certain geologist. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and, well, yeah, because a lot of the like field sciences in general are very difficult to nail down. True. Because I mean, you know, uh, what's his face from the Department of the Interior Secretary? What's his name? Zinke was claiming that he was a geologist. He he has training in geology, as does Scott Walter. But I would. Do they have training, or do they have a degree? They have a degree, which I believe. I mean, that's that's training. <laughs> Did you I mean, see that man on a horse? I think that's all the proof you need, right there. Zinke or Walter? Zinke liked to run around D.C. on when he was secretary oh, that's right. on his horse with his Isn't duster and his flag. He was like, "The flag must be yeah. raised if I'm in when office." He, no one yeah. cares. He was, he he was totally to cos. He was totally cosplaying a uh, cowboy the entire time he was uh, over there at the interior. Yeah. I just only remember his name because it's the same as like the Zeke virus, and that's kind of how I viewed it. With an N. Zika virus or Zinke virus? Zika. But Zika. his name was Zinke. Yeah. Close enough. Anyway. That's my take on it. So, so he has a degree in marine geology or something, some specific type of geology, but never actually worked as a geologist. Whereas Walter. Huh? No, keep going. And then Walter has a degree in archaeology, or not archaeology. No, 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 no. A degree in geology, and has actually written books on geological topics. I don't, I don't have anything to say about the quality of those books. I've never read them, and I don't know about enough about geology to make an form an opinion on those things. But I would much more readily refer to Walter as a geologist than Zinke. Well, if it's anything like his second book on the Kensington runestones, which I'm currently reading right now. What, are you just doing like a Walter binge? I'm on a Walter binge right now. Um, <laughs> it is, um, I mean, it's it's standard woo, so it's, it's, it's drawing conclusions based upon flimsy or half-thought-out ideas, <clears throat> claims towards, I'm doing science and never explaining what he's doing. Uh, and this, back. I'm about to do science. And this is def definite proof that this thing was done by the Templars because the Templars needed to get out of Europe. And so this stone must have come from them, even though it was done in ruins. And then we're going to try to say Celtics were involved somehow. But then somehow the Templars, which were more of a uh, into the Holy Roman Empire, uh, Germanic area, are somehow all, it's it's a mess. And I'm only about. I'm still in like chapter two. I find it really hard to read those books because like with Hancock's books, whose I did finally finish. Thank God. The first part of the book is just a rehashing of shit. I already know, but like it's a rehashing of it in a way that like paints all archeologists as these stingy, angry, pointed-nosed old men who sit around with books upon books piled around them and cobwebs hanging off their noses and then threatening you know, small children to get off their lawn. I mean... I mean, I have done that. That's true. <laughs> I look forward to the day when I have a lawn because I'm going to sit there in a rocking chair with a hose in the middle of winter and wait. <laughs> get off my lawn! Anyway. So I'm um, going to defend Walter. I'm going to go back real quick and defend Walter. Real no, quick. that's fine. Someone needs The first chapter and a half does a good job of giving a history and historiography of the people and events surrounding the story of the Kensington runestone from its 
discovery in 1897, 98, through today and a discussion of the different families and the different peoples involved in sort of making claims and taking ownerships and, and sort of a chain of custody since that time period. So if you're interested in the sort of modern myth of the Kensington runestone, he does provide a good material right there to sort of go with that, where he jumps off the deep end and like, you know, keeps going is when he starts talking about Templars and the fact that it looks like it was, you know, written twice uh, obviously means that that somebody were just correcting it. And that's proof that it was so old. Even though he has used that exact argument to discount other things. Right. Yes. Does he mention the deathbed confession or the uh, affidavit signed by the son of the man who helped forge it? Spoilers. I haven't gotten Sorry. that far yet. Uh, well, you said he gave you like the whole rundown. Those well, are I'm two still in the middle of it. I'm, well, we're about the 1930s right now, so I haven't. Uh, we haven't gotten that far. Hit it by now, but anyway. <laughs> you would think. Are you are you trying to accuse him of like uh, selectively picking what information he wants to present? You've seen his show. You know those things are straight <laughs> up. Never leaves a detail out or anything. Colors it in in any in any way. <laughs> I'm watching my cat. It's... All right. So, do we want another question from not uh, from chat? From no. I mean, is there another question in chat? No. I think we might even scared away Mick Jabin when we uh, actually wait when we actually answer this question. <laughs> Like McLovin. You got to talk about. Well, McLovin, that's awesome. Don't, don't come, the archaeologists think you're going to pull our chain by talking about pee. That's all right? true. Yeah. They ain't. That's I, not, not going to phase us. We are all no. about five, roughly. Maybe pee twelve. Pee and poop. Uh, you don't. You don't want to challenge us on that. All right. Oh God. I actually have a good story about poop archaeology. Right there, we go. See you. See. See. <laughs> No, uh, copper lights specifically, yeah. which I, I don't think I've told it on stream before. Um, <laughs> I, like, I don't think I've told this story yet. Have we talked about copper lights before? I don't remember. Oh, no, but now, since we've already talked about pee, let's let's go to the natural uh, okay. other. That's true. We all want to hear this story about your corporal lights now. Yeah. So there was there was a guy uh, that was consulting with the field school I did. So I did I did my field school in in southern Italy, and. There was a guy from University of Reno that was doing his PhD. He was coming over and actually consulting a little bit with our project. I ran him into, into him again in, I think, at the Memphis SAA, so a while ago. But he had done a project on chemical analysis of a copper light. Oh. And in the copper light, he was able to find a microflake of obsidian. Ouch. Um, oh. and then, well, like, like, a little bitty. Still. That's enough to yeah. cut your intestines. Yeah. Mm. I've seen what obsidian can do. People drink gold flakes. Like, there. <laughs> um, um, micro, a microflake of obsidian, some remains of meat and some uh, vegetable remains. He was able to source the obsidian. He was able to identify the, the meat remains. I don't know what the right word for that is. Um, as, as, I think, hare or rabbit. And then also was able to identify the plants that were used in the same meal. So he was actually able to figure out where the guy got his, got his stone tool for butchering, where he killed the rabbit, 
and what season he uh, he was eating this meal in, based on based on the vegetation. Science. Yeah, it was it was one of the like better posters I think I've ever seen. That's actually really cool. Did yeah. you know that microflake probably did come when he was either butchering or killing that yeah. rabbit? Exactly. It's funny. Yeah. So even the little tiny bits are are still evidence. This is a good thing to remember. Remember, so kids, that's... what you eat will be able to tell. And also remember that there are lots of non-edible things that you consume on a daily basis. Let that th- think about that as you try to go to sleep tonight. Spiders. I don't even want to think about the amount of dirt that has gone through my system. Oh my god, <laughs> it's good for you though. It's got microbes. It makes you healthy. Not on the sites that I work. <laughs> how many bugs? How many bugs we've consumed on a daily doesn't basis? Doesn't have doesn't have as much lead in it as you think it does. It unless you're in New Jersey. Though. Well, no, I was on an industrial site mm. for a while. Still am. So anyway. So you got lead, you got mercury, but you have you, have you done a gravesite yet? Because we all stopped chewing gum when we were doing the gravesite. I've done for obvious reasons. I've done a few delineations. I think I've only done one exhumation project so far. Yeah, it's it's really entertaining when you're chewing your gum and you you know you get grit in your gum and you're like mm, grit, and then you're like oh people. <laughs> <laughs> And then we were all like, no one wants gum anymore. Gum's a little extra waxy. That's just, oh, God. Oh. oh. <laughs> anyway. No. Should we answer some some Twitter? Ask an archaeologist question? There were a couple good questions on the Twitter thing. Yeah. A couple. So I know we, we, we wrote some of these down. Yeah, I'm looking at that uh, sheet right now. We kind of already... Okay. Uh, we, didn't, we, didn't, actually, we didn't get to any of these yet. Um, let's see. What's the first one I have on here? Well, let me know when anything jumps out that makes you want to go, ooh, I want to answer that. Or All like right. we always do on Twitter, ignore them. Do you want to do a real question about archaeology or do we want to do like something? Are fun? any of these questions from people who aren't archaeologists? Some of them. Some of them are archaeology students. Yeah. Uh, at least one of them. You're, you're now you're now exposing the problem with asking archaeologists. I was gonna say this is my uh, issue with asking archaeologists. It's at least two of them are, and one of them is actually a teacher, tra- like translator, putting up uh, questions from her students. That's tolerable. All right, go for it. So that one that I that I wrote down, she's she's got a bunch in her thread. So this is from at Sam J Reynolds. What school subjects would help us become archaeologists? And this is from a student named Arnis. What grade are and, they in? I know, just <laughs> good. On. We gotta find them. But that's, I mean, all of them, I think, is probably the right answer. I mean, when was the last time you used eighth grade English? Eighth grade literature. Literature. Um, Though, to be fair, that was a silly question because I'm just now staring at my Ivor Hume book, so. That's not literature. He uses literature and fine art to form most of his uh, conclusions about the artifacts he finds, regardless of if they're accurate or not. Right. And if you go down the post-processualist rabbit hole with, uh, you know, and start hanging out with Foucault and and Derrida and things like that, and and, and Anardo, Anardo, a man always pronounces wrong, and Benjamin, yes, you're going to be hanging out with literature. So, yeah, it's pretty much 
anything can be a subject. It all depends on where, where you're looking at. I mean, if your focus is going to be on pre-contact cultures, your literature I, is not necessarily is going to be as relevant. I would actually say if you have the ability to take a logic class or an intro to philosophy class, I know those sound very odd, but what you want to be getting out of those classes is the ability to think critically and to form and disassemble an argument. Um, and those are the two best classes to go to to learn how to do that with maybe the exception of speech, like if you can get on the speech team or something like that. I think those are invaluable to being a scientist, which is what you're going to be. And if you can't figure out how to form, support, and analyze arguments, you're you're not going to do very well. Right. I mean, that's that's the thing about archaeology is you're one half a scientist, but I would also argue the other half is a, is a sort of a humanities. Um, yeah. If your school offers like a social studies or an anthropology class, absolutely. Uh, mm -hmm. If not, take that literature class. You, you, uh, one of the important things of, you know, in addition to understand uh, the science and to be able to logically, you know, look through the materials and make logical arguments, you can never forget that you're dealing with people people with cultures and ideas and, and ideals uh, themselves. And those always have to be present during your archaeological interpretation. So you have to be a student of people as well as a student of the science. Yeah. And then taking classes like intro to anthropology and sociology classes will mm, open you up a lot more to being able to be aware of your biases and your cultural influences. So you can be a little bit more critical when you go to study other cultures uh, archaeologically, because you're you're looking at people's trash and you're making conclusions based off of people's trash, mm -hmm. and you got to make sure that you're making the best conclusion, not the conclusion that makes the most sense to you, because that may not necessarily be the correct one. Right. So. And when we're saying critical, we're not just meaning you're criticizing other materials. We're also meaning you're critical of yourself in your own interpretation. So. I pretty much mean be critical of yourself. Yeah. Uh, like if you're going to another culture or interacting with another group or another culture, always check your own biases along the way as you're doing the research and material of what you're looking at there. Because while you, the one thing that's always sort of a weird thing in science is that science is typically written from a either first person or even worse, a third person perspective. Uh, where it almost pretends that there is no human involved in the collection and inter interpretation of this data. But it always goes through a person or people, or a number of people. So being conscious of your own biases, or both the overt and maybe less overt uh, biases is always something to keep in mind as, as you're going through and, and looking at people. Yeah, well, and, and to kind of tie this back about some of the, or into some of the themes of uh, what we have been talking about on, on previous broadcasts, that uncritical thinking is usually what we what the problem is with most pseudo-archaeological theories so things like the reason that we get upset with things like some of the theories that scott walter puts forward or graham hancock or basically any of the aliens is that they they're they're not recognizing that their own biases are the ones that are i mean even i mean temporally culturally racially whatever you want to however you want to spin it you know, the, the, the idea that you, you, you can't possibly believe that ancient peoples are building something, so there has to be some sort of outside source, 
is inherent or not inherently, but it is a bias. And, and the reason that you're not wanting to see the logical, you know, output there is that you don't, <laughs> you're not recognizing your own bias against it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I blame modern school systems because we're so busy trying to get th- kids through classes so fast with we've, sacrifice the ability to teach critical thinking and well i think bias it's, awareness it's the standardized testing it is yeah because teachers are being basically told that they will lose their jobs if they don't teach the test and yeah I, I mean i'm not mad at the teacher i mean i'm not really mad at the teachers I, i'm mad at the education system but you know i think my generation and maybe possibly the generation after me were the last two to come out of the school systems and still have a semi-decent education before hitting college. So I think, I think there are definitely still, I, I know I, I have a couple of teachers in, that I, I specifically had myself that definitely push that read that like, you know, read and think for yourself mm-hmm. and, and, and we'll apply that to whatever you need to learn kind of thing. Um, my, I know my, we look at a world history and he taught world history, government, and and I think I took a philosophy class with him. He taught all kinds of stuff. He's a very, very interesting man. Mr. Richards at Broad Run High School. He's fantastic. I'm Mr. Richards if you ever see this. Um, <laughs> but he is probably the reason that I got into history as much as I did. And it was because like all the classes were taught similarly to college courses where it was read these articles, write a pressy, we'll discuss in class, and that'll, you know, what we discuss in class will be on whatever test comes up. Mm-hmm. And that, and he was always able to gear it towards whatever testing that he had to get done for for the school. And that, and it's, it's a talent for sure. Yeah, I think some of the best classes I took in high school were the classes that encouraged you to read something and then analyze it yourself and then discuss mm-hmm. it as a class so that you can you're not just doing it in a vacuum. Yeah. So you're getting feedback from other people to basically challenge your conclusions, whether they agree with you. I mean, they can be challenging you by agreeing with you, or they can be challenging you by disagreeing with you. But it's that give and take of public discourse that I also think is lacking. Too many people just kind of take to Twitter or YouTube or Facebook and just kind of verbally vomit and are not open to having anything critical said about what they have said. You don't take it well when you point out to them that it's not aliens. <laughs> so. But it's simple. Occam's razor. <laughs> like, how do you think Occam's razor works? It's not the one that takes the most leaps of logic to get to the conclusion. I'm always leery about the whole anything that smells of good old days type of talk. Uh, I understand where all this is coming from. This Look is here. I am an old person. <laughs> I am allowed to tell you about how I went to school uphill both ways, barefoot in the snow. Anyway. I just think, uh, you know, as archaeologists, we are of a select group of people. We are small, tiny. You could fill up basketball arenas and have a lot of empty space with all the archaeologists in the country. So we are a weird group of people to begin with. Are we we are the ones. That small in number. What were you guys under ten thousand? Really? Wow! I have to go back to Doug Rocks McQueen a couple years ago. Did some. Uh, That's right, he did, didn't he? Did some work on that, um, and I want to say it was like four to ten thousand. Um, but I'll have to go. Up. I'll have to go dig that up uh, again to confirm that. But 
we are still, even if it's like 40,000, it's still a tiny, tiny portion. And we were the kids who paid attention and picked up the critical th uh, thinking skills along the way. I know plenty of my age peers because I have Facebook and I, and as a social experiment, I reconnected with a lot of my high school uh, friends, even if I don't actually talk to, I haven't talked to them in almost 30 years. You're and, a good person. Um, it's also, it's part social experiment. And I can, I can clearly state the, the majority are not any better than folks that we tell, say are coming out of schools right now. Uh, they weren't paying attention to the bigger picture. They are looking at aliens. Um, I mean, heck, isn't the alien ancient aliens crowd mostly baby boomers uh, at this point? At least a television uh, version of it. Maybe I, I I haven't seen the age breakdown, but that wouldn't surprise me. I think I think the difference is though we were given the chance to pay attention. I don't feel like I substitute taught for several years, about ten years ago now. So things may have changed. And I mean, I've worked with kids in after-school programs as recent as two years ago. So I, I've seen what the modern school systems are producing. And it, it's not that the kids aren't paying attention, it's that they're not even given the opportunity to pay attention. Or they're just flat out taught something completely wrong, Virginia. Mm -hmm. Oh God. Oh, did you know that the War of Aggression was started by the Northerners? Uh, they do that in North Carolina, too. No, I don't yeah. uh, It's in the name, the War of Northern Aggression. I mean, it's well, right there. And also, did you know that black people were completely okay with being slaves and that they had to be bribed by the British armies to be spies? I remember yeah. reading that. <laughs> they were loyal patriots during the American Revolution and were forcefully taken by the British. Yeah. So they wanted yeah. to go to Canada. Yeah. Virginia. So anyway, I mean, I, I just, the stuff that they are putting the history aside, they're just not given the opportunities that we were given. But at the same time, like they have all these crazy fucking classes that they're taking in high school. You know, they're like taking like advanced physics three in high school and, you know, like drone operation, robot building, you know, world destroy class in like ninth grade. And it's just like, on the one hand, they're taking all of these really fun classes that I would have killed to have when I was in school. But at the same time, like, they can't read an article and critically work their way through it because they don't have time to be taught how to. Also, they're really good at following directions if you give them directions like one, two, three, four. If you give them an end product and you say, make this, they can't do it. That's actually, you know, for me, that's I prefer that second version. The end product and yeah. figure it I out. Well, yeah, but that's how we're taught to do archaeology. We yeah. we have an end product, and now we have to figure out where this flake came from. You know, I mean, that's not natural for us at this point, I would hope. See, this is where I would put on my neo-Marxist hat and talk about the, the entire history of public school systems in general were about creating, first and foremost, about creating workers and not necessarily an educated right, populist. Right. How, how, many, how many people especially of our generation, came out of archaeology being taught by Mar Marxists? Not many. <laughs> oh, really? Really? In archaeology or in... in archaeologists, yeah. Oh. Just, just archaeologists. I know it's a very niche thing. Like, because mm. the, the people who taught me were all Marxists. Mine weren't. I know, I know Bill's were. 
You know where I went to school. <laughs> Mine. That's why our colors were red. <laughs> Dude, and you mentioned it. And yellow and, and white and black. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't. I don't think there was some Marxist theory that we were definitely exposed to, but I don't. I don't think any of any of my professors would consider themselves, at least in grad school, would consider themselves Marxists. I have no idea what my grad school professors are like, but I know my undergrad people. Like, they were all definitely heavily influenced by Marxist theory, and I'm. I, 90% sure Mullins would walk around campus claiming to be a Marxist. I don't know if he really was or if he was just doing it to piss people off. Mm. I put neither of those past him. Darn it. I but, do not have my I do not have my uh, copy of Critical Historical Archaeology by Mark Leone handy right now. Oh wow. Did you study under <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Mm. One of our techs uh, is is studying under him right now and she's she's been Telling me some of the stuff she's been he's been trying to get her to do. This oh, is probably not something we should discuss on open camera. You know, nothing nothing bad. Just oh. he's definitely like trying to influence her to go a certain direction with her career. Which is have, we got, have we got the post colonialism with uh, Homie Baba yet? She's definitely they've they've definitely been pushing the critical theory, which I'm definitely I'm very very much okay with. Yeah, That's the only thing that we've really talked about because she knows I'm I am on that. I'm on that bandwagon. Are you a theory person? I just like the idea. Um, I mean, yes and no. I like I like data to back up my theory. <laughs> I like um, to hate on theory, but I think I suspect that I might actually be a theory person. You, I mean, you just it's just it's just being able to like the only the only theory that I really think about is critical theory because the the fact I mean. Any production of knowledge and dissemination of knowledge is inherently political. And if you're not addressing it that way, you're you're doing yourself and the people who are reading your material a disservice. Yeah. You are well on your way, comrade. <laughs> this is fair. <laughs> this is fair. My, my department. <laughs> <had so laughs> he's beyond Marxism. The system is broken. We should have no system. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't think that's Marxism. That's well, it's hello. Anarchy. Yeah, I was gonna say that's an, that's anarchy. It's anarchy. <laughs> and I, I know a few uh, anarchists who came out of that same system. I need to sit down and talk with Tristan at some point because, like, he I he is the only person I know who is outwardly an anarch archaeologist, and I find that. I want to uh, know how that works. That's because this tagline is an archaeologist. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I know. And, that, and I, I used to think that was like some kind of like punk music joke, but no, that's like he, he really believes in anarchy and, and anarchy, anarchist theory in archaeology. And I'm just like, I don't know I enough don't about know. anarchist theory. So like the whole thing is weird to me. So, so Tristan, if you're watching this on the replay, because I see you're not here right now, because you would have yeah, comments. Where the hell are you now that we're talking I mean, about you? What, what is. What's so punk about going to bed before four o'clock in the morning? <laughs> all right. I mean, it's it's somewhere you know, in the middle of the night right now. You should be like, you know, streaming. You know, he's across the pond, right? Yeah. That's what I mean. It's so it's like two or three in the morning right now. 
If, you, if I wasn't if so living, lazy, I'd look up the time, but I'm not going to. I can't do math on the fly. Can't do math. If I wanted to do math, I wouldn't have been an archaeologist. <laughs> How many? I always encounter at least one person on a crew who's actually decent at math, and I'm just like, what? Where did you fuck up? Well, <laughs> you need the you need the one person who's really good at drawing maps. You need the one person who understands math so much so that they can do the Pythagorean theorem on any sort of like uh, test unit you give to them. Oh, you, you just know, start throwing like, shit at him and he's just like, "Go do this one." Uh, well, no, you you're on a site, especially a historic site where you're working around buildings and construction and stuff like that. Okay, we're gonna have to put a uh, 1.5 meter by by <clears> five meter right here. Uh, what's the hypotenuse of that? And you, you you give it to that person to figure it out. <laughs> My favorite is people who can't figure out how to bisect. Just, just draw a line and then you dig one half. <laughs> but where, right does, there, but where does half. that line go? No, roughly half. What does that mean? Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's when you come over as the uh, crew chief for director and you you stare a little bit and you, you stroke your, line. you stroke your uh you know your beard a little that's why it's that's why i think every crew chief especially you know especially the women need to have beards uh so you can stroke your beard okay and then you just draw you draw it slowly and very methodically and then you stand up very quick and go take out that side and you, you walk away without any response yeah you play the drama I, power move. If I if I come over and I, I see the line, if they because some I, I don't know why. See, see, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> some of them will actually put a line in to mark themselves, which is fine. There's nothing no. wrong with that. No. What I, I I maybe it's just that I've been doing it long enough. I just I draw a line and then I cut there. <laughs> um <laughs> And then, like, I get my little edge, and then I, you know, do do the known to unknown thing, which also seems to be a very difficult concept to teach. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the one that, that gets me is if I see them and it's like a bad line, I'll just move it. <laughs> I don't even. I don't ask them questions. I don't give them a chance to just respond. Just over. Just pick their it's nails up. Like walk away. <laughs> because awesome. there's. there's <laughs> Done. But what I but that took no, me an hour. <laughs> you still have more to dig. <laughs> so this is what happens when we have three uh, uh, commercial archaeologists on. Uh, expediency is one of our things that's needed. Is that we are to, we are being paid no by a we are being paid by a client, and there is a ticking clock above our head mm -hmm. at all times. We don't have time to make things pretty. I have noticed that not, not people. Not fall into like two cat no i can i have a i make very pretty, pretty sites. fine yeah it, i have found that people fall into two categories out in the field they're either the people who can just eyeball everything which i am of course one of those people because i am perfect you are. and then there's the people who have to measure every fucking thing <laughs> and it's like let it go it's okay if you're off by a millimeter it's fine our margin of error is pretty big yeah it's it's okay <laughs> You know that GPS is off by like three fucking meters, right? Yeah, I've been, I've, 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 I've terrified people more than once by, you know, I see someone sort of troweling on a, on a, on a uh, square unit huh. to try to find where the next level is. I walk over with a flat shovel, <laughs> immediately chunk out about three inches of it, and go, um, "Yeah, I went about an inch deeper. You want to make the, you want to make the rest of it this level right here." Oh, uh, God. 
<laughs> I, that's, the, that's the power move. You have to turn and leave. <laughs> I love working with brand new people. I just, I fucking love it because it's great when you're shovel skimming and they're like, they get to that last what inch and they want to get down there with your trowel and you're just like, stop it. <laughs> you're <laughs> wasting time. Done. Use the right it's, trowel. Not learn, to use a trowel. Learn, to, learn to use a shovel. This, is, took, this okay. is your trowel now. I took somebody's trowel away from them once because they refused to quit using it. And I just took it away and wouldn't give it back. And I'm like, until you learn to use a shovel, you can't have anything else. We're terrifying all the academics right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, especially when you do things like, you know what? We'll catch it in the profile. I've, I've, <laughs> yes. That's my mantra on site. We will well, catch it. Monitor- don't worry. It'll come out in the profile. When you do enough monitoring, you're just like, well, it's gone now. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I'll get uh, it in the profile. <laughs> it was something there, I guess. I, I took a picture of it, I guess. <laughs> and did we wonder why they hate us? It's so much. They hate us so much. <laughs> And this is what happens when you don't watch live. So if you're watching us now and you're horrified, you should have been here. You could have been commenting on it. And we could have explained ourselves better. (laughs) I mean, the only one we've got is that someone, the only comment we've gotten live so far is someone who attempted to look at us. Someone tried to troll us. That'll beat you. (laughs) We trolled them so hard they ran out of here. (laughs) Please ask me about body excrement. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you can. <laughs> I've got stories. I was gonna say we we've, we've got that covered. We got stories. And just just so people who are listening don't get too freaked out. <laughs> every, every, it's all about risk management and managing your margin of error. They're, we're not just guessing. <laughs> no, no. All calculated risk. Well, I mean, it's the difference between the new person who who probably really does need to take that last inch out with a trial because they can't see the difference. Right. You know, and, and it's like, what, I've been doing this for what, going on 15, almost, I feel like 20 years at this point. You know, it's just like, you know what, you've been doing it long enough. Yeah, I don't use flat shovels anymore. Oh, really? What do you use? Just round shovels and trowel. Oh, I won't use a round shovel. No. Have you used a hoe? Um, if you haven't used a hoe, you should try it. Matic. Matic, yeah. Matic, yeah. <laughs> I, the, the reason I don't use uh, flat shovels is the amount of clay that we that I work in, especially oh, in that's the urban project lately, and there's too much stuff. Yeah, like, no, uh, that's fair. It'll, it'll either just, it'll either bend the flat shovel or it just won't go through. Well, that's your problem for working in Virginia. <laughs> true. I'd love to do more coastal plain stuff, but I live in the Piedmont. <laughs> All right, let's 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 move on to a question from a professional troll and anarchist and archaeologist. Oh, did Tristan did jump in? A, no, he put a question on Twitter that's our that's on our board because you know some sort of be up at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Man, I really hope he watches this. Poor Tristan. <laughs> In what way can archaeology as a profession tackle pseudo-archaeologists from the from the sternum, um, especially when it comes to colonial and racist assumptions of people's heritage? Well, first we have to ad- we have to address our own racist perceptions of who archaeology and history belong to. I don't even know if it is possible to decolonize 
archaeology because it's just literally how we were formed. And I don't know the best. I, I don't have a good answer for that one. The, the the best thing you can do is just keep shouting at people about how they're wrong. I mean, that's really all I can come up with. Both you know, be polite about it. The opposite of what we're supposed to be doing. Do what? Deb and Jason both said that's the opposite of what we're supposed to be doing. Jason Colvolito? Mm-hmm. <sighs> I mean, I was Jason's looking- not. Jason okay, well, is a, has a unique position, though, because he's not an archaeologist. He's an academic, like, <clears throat> and not an academic archaeologist. Like, he he comes at this from a completely different way, which is great. I fucking love Jason. I don't know. As archaeologists, we we tried the ignore it and it'll go away thing, and it didn't. I don't think being like hardcore sarcastic about it and like running up into people's faces and be like, "You're racist." That that doesn't work, but. Pointing out to the general public when something is being, when a comment is racist or when an idea is racist and then pointing out why it's racist. Because a lot of people don't even understand why hyperdiffusionism is basically racist. Like they don't even understand why that's a problem. So we have to find a clear way to explain that, that can be an elevator speech. Like we, we can't be spending four to five hours breaking down colonialism for people because they don't have that kind of an attention span. I don't have that kind of an attention span. So we, we, we've got to find a way to make it simple and effective and entertaining. I mean, and I think you, you, you've stumbled right there on sort of the, uh, the two, the two problems uh, with pseudo-archaeology. It's the pseudo-archaeologist and their audience, their audience. You could on some cases, give them the benefit of the doubt that they aren't, it's a matter of education. Some folks, it isn't a matter of education. Some folks, you know, it's it's confirmation of, of existing biases. Uh, the pseudo-archaeologists themselves, and much like any other pseudoscientist, they are first and foremost entertainers, which is why I think, like, do they past think that, methods... Though? What, Tom? Uh, do they think that, though? Well, the way they present their Depends arguments... Depends on which one it is. The way they present their arguments, the way they get attention, the way they sort of... They are carnies. Yeah, uh, they are. They are. They are putting a performance on. Sukalos is one hundred percent comfortable with his role as an entertainer, as a as a carnival barker. Walter, I think Walter actually believes most of his shit. Which is why I mean, we were having a discussion before we went on the air. Why I think like Scott Walter, American Unearth is itself maybe potentially in trouble as a TV yeah. series <laughs> yeah. because they're moving away from Walter's bread mm-hmm. and butter, talking about Templars. And trying, it seems this season trying to force them to things like Bigfoot and ghost hunting and and other weird sort of things that are outside of his thing, but and aliens because yeah. those are the things that sell. Those are the things that have mm-hmm. market. And in his own weird way, Scott may actually have some like ethics, uh, <laughs> where it's like you know we want to talk about Templars <laughs> in the before columbus i'm with you on that a, a bigfoot and aliens i'm not as comfortable doing that that the, that seems like we're being it anyway that seems like we're yeah. being deceptive but then he saw the check and was like okay to be fair sometimes you got a i mean as commercial archaeologists uh, we've done some things which we aren't necessarily uh, proud of in the uh, in hindsight They're either all legal <laughs> I think more legal. <laughs> legal doesn't make it more. That, that helps you sleep at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I have very few regrets as a 
on the projects I've worked on. Because as soon as I get uncomfortable with a project, I leave. Not like drop the mic and out leave, but like my week's over, I don't renew. Not everybody has the luxury to walk away from work, though. Nope. I mean, my my personal opinion with it is that we need. I mean, even if it is legal, we have. I mean, we we are we are running a business, so we have an ethical obligation to our clients. But also, I, I, I'm in in addition to that, I think that we need to have better regulations with actual teeth that are not a slap on the wrist. Because I mean, I've heard I've heard stories about paleo Indian sites down south that have just been bulldozed because it was cheaper to bulldoze it than pay for a phase three. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and then like even once you slap them with penalties and stuff, it doesn't, you know, the no. penalties are so less, so less than what it would yeah, take yeah. to hire a crew. It's a $20 million project, $300,000 fine is nothing. Yeah, no, no. And I like one of the few things I agree with Tom King on. No, I, I think like he rallies, he rails on about that, about how the, the regulations need to have more teeth, but he also rails on about how us as archeologists kind of need to step up and, you know, talk the talk and walk the walk. But, I feel like when King's talking about people, he's talking about people who are in a position to influence and control regulation, not like me who digs holes. Like that's, that's all I have the power to do. Dig holes and be a nuisance. And if you're too much of a nuisance, people won't hire you. So. I have a question that is kind of related to this. 42. Huh? 42. Not 42. Are agency archaeologists CRM archaeologists, or are they agency? You mean like working for the state and that kind of yeah, stuff? People who work for the SHPO or the county or whatever, is that, are, is that CRM? Yes, in the broad definition of cultural resource management. Are okay. they contract field archaeologists? No, because they're not working on a contract. But, but CRM encompasses what we do is like this part of CRM. Yeah, we don't the, the full three field CRM, public history, ar- architectural, mm-hmm. and uh, archaeology. Yeah, we're, we are. I mean, we're an important part of that trilogy, but yeah. we aren't all that there is to CRM. Like, there's a lot to CRM. Right. We're just yeah. one aspect of it. Right. And to be fair, in the, in the United States, it's the states which are obligated on uh, or have the uh, have the obligation to actually make sure all these all the laws are are for are put in place. We, as the commercial archaeologists, are basically the hired mercenaries because the state can't afford to hire enough uh, have enough archaeologists on staff to do the work for them. So there needs to be this fleet of you know mercenary archaeologists uh, who are sent out to actually do the real work. Uh, I, I can, like in the end, most of our projects, we don't tell anybody anything. We make recommendations. We make recommendations on what should be done next or whether this site should be preserved or whether or not we should, you know, how this, this site should be categorized and so forth. There's the ship bow and the, who makes the actual CRM decision of how this piece of land is, is going to be best served uh, for the public. So yeah, I know. So the the area I work in is a little bit different, not not very different, but so Fairfax County, Alexandria City, 
Stop. Yeah, specifically those two, I think, have the strongest cultural resource regulations yes. in the country. I don't know in the country, but they do have some really definitely, great. Definitely in the Mid-Atlantic, and I believe Alexandria might be some of the oldest in the country. Like the the, the actual CRM regulations have were, were started very early, 70s. Yeah. And the majority of the work that my company does tends to be based on county and city regulations rather than section 106. A lot of it, not all of it, but a lot of it. But how old is the archeology span you're doing in that area? Depends. I mean, uh, we've, we've done everything up to, I mean, there, there are paleo sites in that area. There are, and every, everything up to, you know, early 20th century industrial, like and everything in between. Okay. I always wondered, I used to volunteer at the cart, lab there um and they were always doing historical stuff so well that i mean that's i think that's very specific to that project and it really depends on when you were working on it because if the random times when i was in between projects yeah so the there's all kinds of sites up on the like the the finger ridges are all pale not paleo but they're early i think it starts early woodland maybe a little bit earlier but I know when I was working there in 2013, I was on a different team, but the cart people were working almost exclusively in that, in the actual like Colchester, old Colchester town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's like their thing. I think it's, I, I think that's what the C stands for is Colchester. Right. But it, it's for that whole park and the park right. includes a bunch of prehistoric sites back in the, back in the woods. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I was really impressed with it, honestly, like, and the other thing that I really liked was the volunteer program that they had, the volunteer certification program that they have. I, I think that would be a great model so for everyone your, else. That's the Archaeological Society of Virginia, because I started yeah. as well. Yeah, that's the society. I know that's the society, and it's actually a really, I think it's a good program, personally. I, I thought it was neat when I found out about it, and the little research I've been able to do into it makes it sound like it's actually a pretty damn good project program. Yeah. Um, it it is. I mean, especially for avocational archaeologists. Yeah. If you, if you don't want to get a degree and you're just interested in volunteering and you want to be good at it, that's ASV's Archaeological Society of Virginia's field tech certification program is extensive. Yeah, <laughs> it's by the time you get done with it, you have I think the field experience of someone with a AS and associates. I think so. Which I think yeah. is just outstanding. Yeah. I think that's all volunteers yeah. who want to do that should have to yeah. go through that kind of a program. Build training, lab training, yeah. uh, and 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 material culture information mm-hmm. and all. I mean, and and in paleo to present for all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I was just amazed <clears throat> by it. Honestly, I thought it was fantastic. I I've never seen a program that I ever liked that much. So, but anyway, I'm over it. And there's some. I mean, there are similar programs like that throughout the country. If you're mm-hmm. interested, check out. This is actually one of the benefits of the State Historic Preservation Office. The State Historic Preservation Office within your state can give you the information about the local organizations, the local, about the societies and, and organizations and what, what sort of, even if you're not a professional, how can you get involved and volunteer mm-hmm. and help? Your SHPO can definitely be one of the first places you can go to, to get that information. And they can point you in the right direction uh, yeah. for things like that. So uh, if you think you can't get involved, you probably can. And it's just sort of a simple Google search away. Yeah, yeah and most archaeologists like working with volunteers, so. I have a quick question, though. When you were volunteering there, who was the, who was the county archaeologist? Mike Johnson? Yes. Wait. No. 
older dude or old tall white dude or <laughs> does that narrow it down? You want to narrow no, down no. an archaeologist to an old white dude? Old white dude or different <laughs> guy? Older white dude. I think it was, was it, a was woman. It, it, uh, it was Mike Johnson. Now it's Chris Sperling. I think it was Chris because Mike Johnson was, I did work with him a few times, but he was retired. Was he, uh, did he have like a lot of manic energy? Mustache. They both have mustaches. Did he have manic energy? Like, like you you couldn't keep him still. You guys act like I actually talked to this person. I just showed (laughs) up to the lab. I talked to the lab director. She gave me some rocks to wash. And I sorted down pottery. I mean, that's literally my experience there. Half the time I had an audiobook in because they don't talk in that lab, apparently. Welcome to our special section, Virginia Archaeology. <laughs> no, it was great. I liked it a lot because it allowed me to do something in my downtime that was archaeologically related. But mm-hmm. Mike Johnson, I know I've worked with him because he does like these programs with older individuals. I, well, I'm going to. Yeah, I I was a little. Um, <laughs> I've gone out on I've gone out with him twice. Yeah, Mike is the reason that there is a three artifact minimum for sites in a, in Virginia. Like he was just finding a lot of sites, or he decided that there has to be three artifacts. No, he, there are a few thousand sites registered in Fairfax County, partially because of the ASV certification program requires requires them to register a site to finish the, uh, the certification. Uh-huh. And there are many sites that when I go to do my previous archaeology section of my reports, I come up and they're almost always Mike Johnson from the 1980s and 90s. And it's tested co- one tested cobble in a trail or two flakes in a trail or one flake in a trail. And they're registered as a site. Do you want to know how many of those I entered into uh, Indiana's database that I think have now been removed? Thank God. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. that's, that's that's why I hate Fairfax County and why I hate Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. <laughs> well, but see, that was the thing back in the 80s and the 90s, apparently, though, was everything that looked like it could possibly have been altered by man was a site. My biggest problem with a lot of those is that they could be consolidated and just Yes, well, most of them are, but it's like it's in the middle of road or off the side of a road and that's a problem with crm in general is it's that a we, car. Are so, we are so myopic based upon our project there's a pro there's a building plan in this little area test this little area and you don't get the latitude to go but what about across the street that's not in your i mean you can look to see if anyone else has ever done anything over there but, but you're not allowed to go over there but you're not allowed to go over there and if they no one's touched over there it counts as nothing but you can pee over there because it's outside the project sometimes. Usually you have to stay in the project area. But... Sometimes I don't want you to pee on the project. Yeah. <laughs> it's easier for you to do, okay? There. All right, I'm looking through any more of these questions, see if there's anything. I tell you, the worst are ag fields, because at least you guys can just, like, turn around. Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, 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 uh, what was the one that I put in? It was like dumb games that you've come up with in the field. Oh, was that you? <laughs> that wasn't me, but I found it and I can't remember. I can't remember who asked it, but it was a really good. It was a fun question. Uh, the Lisa at Lisa Randizzi. Yeah, that's the one. 
Strangest group hobby or game you've developed in the field as a way to pass the time? Uh, We were playing... You put a nut or a rock in the shovel, Mm -hmm. and you have to, like, flip it up, and the next person has to catch it. I think it's kind of like lacrosse. I never played lacrosse. It's a little bit like that. Yeah. Well, yeah. You, but you couldn't touch it with your hands. So it was like, like, uh, like, hacky sack. Only you had to use your shovel. No one ever got hurt playing that <laughs> game. Ever. Never. I think the funnest one we ever did though was uh, it was a real large project we had, and we had two people ahead of all of the diggers flagging, and they started putting <laughs> riddles on the flagging table along with the data. So that was kind of fun. What was, what's the, there's a game that actually got outlawed in Virginia a while, like, like, like in the 19th century that was literally just like throwing a knife at the other people, at the other person's foot. Oh yeah. We do that with our trowels. Um, yeah, I've done that one. Um, <laughs> but with a trowel, not a knife. Yeah. The trowel sticking game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, but that, I'm assigning everybody on the crew a dog breed. I don't think I've done that one yet. No? No. I've done on at least two projects. We did play this game one time because we had really long travel time between the site and where we were staying. And it was, mm-hmm. I don't I don't know why, but every time you saw a camper, one of the, the movable campers, mm-hmm. you had to take the name of the camper and put anal in front of it. I, I've heard of this game. Yeah, and so like there was one that went by it was like Raptor, so it was like the Anal Raptor, and like I saw you know, there was... once. They do get pretty funny after a while. Okay, so I'm apparently the boring nerd uh, among the group um, because when I kind of get on site, I kind of get super focused. Like I don't pay attention to anything in the world other than archaeology. Once I'm on a site, like this is I what am, you do in your downtime. It's like when I, you tell the stories at lunch. No, at, at lunch, I'm normally staring and trying to, my problem is like, you know, I didn't really spend as much time just doing field work before I sort of got into the crew chief or field director role. So once I got into those roles, I'm like planning out the next, I, I, I get way too obsessed about these projects. So <laughs> I am always, I'm mentally micromanaging and anticipating every possible scenario that can happen. What problems we could find in the ground. What are you are you the guy that doesn't hang out with the crew after work? Uh, no, no, no. I, I will hang out with the crew. I do enjoy, you know, heading down to the the bar and having a pint uh, with the crew and 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 sharing sort of war stories. Mm. Uh, but no, on on site, I don't play any of the games. I, I never got into playing the games, and uh, I'm the horrible, horrible self promoting type. That when I'm driving the field crew. Uh, on a project, I'm typically playing them one of the podcasts I've been on, the oh, CRM Archaeology Podcast. Bill, come on. <laughs> I, I think it's funny. I think it's hilarious. Every time I meet people on cruise, I put my podcast into their podcast. <laughs> I see. I'm like, oh. oh, look, I got another follower. You. Let's see. Okay. Oh, welcome, welcome, Kara. Kara's joined us. Yeah. Hey, Kara. So I remember playing this game with her. <laughs> talking about, about playing an endless game of 20 questions in uh, Virginia. I guess, Tom, you could elaborate on that one. It, it, I mean, it was literally like 20 questions, except you just had as many questions as you wanted until you figured out what it was. That sounds super one, annoying. One of, one of our coworkers, Aaron, did, or was it, I don't remember if it was, if it was Kara or Aaron, did Portkey? 
And I think it took us like from from like Harry Potter. A port I, I was wondering. Okay. And I think it may have taken us more than a day to figure it out because it can be anything. So mm. that's true. <laughs> it's just funny. Yeah. Abstract. Ad, ab, we we then outlawed like abstract concepts. <laughs> <laughs> we outlawed abstract concepts. <laughs> It was Eric. There you go. <laughs> I don't remember the dog leash one. I definitely remember the porky. <laughs> the dog leash. I don't know. The, the The funniest one we ever played was the thought game T-H-O-T, where you just add thoughts to the to a movie title. And uh, we were playing it one morning at breakfast, and there were normal people in there eating breakfast, too. And, of course, there's like five of us sitting around this table just coming up with these stupid names of these movies and uh, all of a sudden one of the guys sitting at the breakfast table who wasn't one of us just like pops off with one <laughs> we all just kind of paused and went yep and we just kept going. <laughs> and his girlfriend was like no you know how to talk to them <laughs> that's pretty funny no most of my field conversations are either why the f- why this sucks and why why the hell are we out here and why the bosses are horrible you don't do the soda or pop conversation? That's like no. mandatory with every new crew. No, no, because I, I, I've done most of my work local, so it's been in this area, so it's soda. Pop people are weird. It's pop. Weird. Then you get those weird, then you get the really weird people from down south, and it's Coke. No. It's Coke. But you wanted a ginger ale. That's Coke. <laughs> I what, kind of, what kind of Coke do you want? I don't like Coke. Do you want water? I I guess. It took me forever to realize that they had other things besides Coke. For the longest time, I was just like, why do all of these restaurants only serve Coke? What the fuck happened? I always like the ones that just naturally assume I've been in a style like, yeah, I want a Coke. And they serve a Pepsi. And they're like, yeah, here's your Pepsi. And yeah. Like, yeah. Hey, we know what you mean. Here's your Pepsi. <laughs> but I, don't, I really don't like Pepsi. <laughs> Cola, cola, whatever. There you go, cola. Cola. I want to meet with cola. Bring me the cola. All right, what else have we got? All right. The Saruti Mastodon. Oh. Grand. Yeah, I, I kind of stepped into that one. Yeah. Who, Online. Who asked that? Wait, that's probably I shouldn't ask that. Never mind. Don't answer me. Yeah, okay. but I did get another paper out of it, so uh, I'm going to have some more information about the subject. So, so there's there. The like- Saruti Mastodon site actually comes up in Hancock's most recent book as yeah. evidence that there was a a pre race. Right, and that's and I think that's a good a good jumping point because it's sort of like that and sort of the some of the Salutrian discoveries and arguments is uh, is to remember there's a separation between an actual real discussion within science of hey we found something we've tested it we were getting these conclusions and other scientists going hey let's go test this other thing instead because it seems so out of the uh, sort of understood thing so we want to do other tests and other kind of things on here or hey reproduce your results we want to reproduce your results so there's there's an actual discussion you know, going science. on between the science, within science. the science, and then as opposed to outsider, uh, outsider sounds like a wrong. Ooh, that's just, that's just an exclusive term. Um, we have others 
uh, who are because that's not because that's not uh, who are looking at the same who are looking at this and going ah this fits my pre-existing narrative of Europeans in America before Native Americans or aliens and other junk and I'm just going to take what is basically a preliminary the beginning of a conversation uh, within science and taking that as a concluded uh, a concluded subject and running with it I think that's like it's a good example though because part of the problem there is all they get to see is the beginning of the conversation they never get to see anything else happening behind the scenes. And so they don't understand like people who aren't part of that conversation don't understand that the conversation is continuing to go on and that new discoveries, new evidence, new arguments are being introduced and that people that originally supported an idea no longer support it or people who thought the idea was kind of weird have now started to support it. Like they don't get to see the whole process. And so they don't understand how much debate and consideration goes into these. And I mean, I understand how difficult it is for us to air everything, but we need to air more. I mean, you could argue in the days in the world of the internet, it isn't that hard to air everything. You, it is though, because everything's behind a fucking paywall. Well, that is, I that was my next part is the fact that everything's behind a paywall. I mean, most of these arguments, we, three of us are never seen exactly as professional uh, archaeologists we're we're no longer in that uh, ivory tower we no longer have that sweet uh, jstor password that comes with our library access yep. uh, or you might have your sweet jstor access <laughs> I, I do right now but that's only because i'm in grad school yeah but you know i one of the things i, I pointed out i mean this particular topic of the mastodon i i have no real opinion on it it's not my specialty it's in san diego I didn't even go to the museum when I was last out there in San Diego. My my response was, hey, there was an article that came out earlier this year sort of questioning whether or not construction equipment used in the excavation or prior excavations of this area may have been a contributing factor to to the uh, materials uh, that were analyzed. And then I got a response from someone who who did a different article about decolonization and how this fits sort of into a, a, a native uh, interpretation of, of the site. So there's a lot of different discussions going on. And I was in, you know, it was my basically way of stepping into it, realizing I don't even know that much about what's going on right here. And I'm, and I try to pay attention to what's going on in the world of archaeology. I'd like <laughs> so to I see those articles. Okay. Okay. I'll, well, the one that this is definitely behind a paywall, the one about the, uh, the one that came out earlier this year, all I found was the, uh, the abstract. The abstract. The other one, I do have the article, and I'll I'll get that to you. Okay. Cool. So, so was, you know, I, I thanked her. I mean, that's a, you know, we we are about further discussions, and you know, we shouldn't be like jabbing at each other, and and that's another thing archaeologists and every scientist likes to do, because once you get a thing like this, you stake it out as yours and your place, and especially if you've made it onto the news with it, you kind of have a personal attachment to it. Mm. And then mm. you get defensive when other people attack it, which I would say is not the right thing to do because the science can always, I mean, if you find something and then tomorrow someone disproves what you spent all that time, no one cares about the 30 years you spent looking at it. If, there's new, if there's new data that, that makes what you found irrelevant, then that's, that's what it is. And that sucks. And that really sucks if you did spend so much of your life on it. And for, 
maybe a brief period of time, you were the correct uh, word on the subject. But you know what? If new things come out, you gotta let it go. But you know, the human heart is too, too, too fragile. <laughs> so, I mean, that, and that I mean, mm, yeah, I mean, that kind of ties into the the whole. And you mentioned briefly before the Salutrian hypothesis with uh, uh, Bruce Bradley and, and Dennis, I always mess this up, Stanford? Yes. Yes. Not, yeah, okay. Sorry, there's like three people with similar last names. And I always it's, it's, yeah, completely understandable. <laughs> uh, Steph Hamhofer uh, owns Canada on, on Twitter, put up something kind of in response to some of the DNA articles that were, that have been coming up, uh, especially regarding Israeli archaeology and a few other things, not to get too into the weeds, but it was basically a comment from Bruce Bradley saying that the fact that his theory was being appropriated by white nationalist, white supremacists was not his problem. The quote is, hold on, she put it up here, that racist propaganda is not my issue, said Bradley in the interview, can't stop doing science because somebody might misappropriate something. And uh, I, I think it's it, it's I mean, it kind of goes back to what we've been saying kind of the whole night where creation and dissemination of knowledge is a political act, regardless of how you look at it. It, it has political content and, and not being not taking responsibility for your own theories is just irresponsible. See, and, and yeah, Bradley saying that, I mean, I understand once you put something out there, anything. It's, it's out of your hands. Like as soon as you put right. something up in the public eye, you you lose control of it basically. Right. But the fact that neither Stanford or Bradley have ever, well, Stanford's not going to now, but have never come forward and said, no, this has nothing to do with race. Never, never even addressed it. Yeah. And refuse to even address it. I, I'm like you, I think that's kind of irresponsible. It's their theory. And right. I'm very sorry that white nationalists have taken it and run with it. But you saying and doing nothing to counter that, even something simple as, no, you're idiots. It's, it's kind of like being compliant, like science, silence is compliancy when it comes to something like that. So on the one hand, like, I understand, like, there's only so much control you have over something, especially once you've published it and people get a hold of it. But you should probably be on record somewhere saying, no, this isn't a this isn't a race thing or or you're doing it wrong or you're idiots or something. You know, I mean, however politely you want to put it, you might want to be on record not supporting that. Right, and I mean, he, and he, and to give him, to give him, give him credit. The rest of that quote is that you know that we we weren't talking about race. We try, and they were avoiding even using the term European because the concept of Europe didn't even exist at the time. Right, and the Salutrians aren't wouldn't have, but I mean, that's something very simple. They could just be like the Salutrians wouldn't have been white anyway. You know, so I mean, that's a discussion that I had with um, Jennifer Raff one time about the whole Salutrian thing, and. Regardless of what their genetics are, at the time that the Salutrians would have been alive, they would not have been white. You know, I mean, there's it's just one of those things. And it's just it because they came from Europe. There's this assumption of whiteness because Europe equals white. And it's just like, that's not really how that shit works, guys. Yeah. Anyway, 
I mean, I don't even, I'm sure somebody knows the answer to this question, but like what I, I can't even, whiteness is a constructed concept to begin with, which didn't show up, I think, until the late Middle Ages or something like that, maybe later. You would argue it actually like it begin in, in, in things like uh, 1619 Virginia, once you started importing yeah. Once you start having chattel slavery in the in the Americas, the it, was when, well, it was when the modern idea of white like Europeans they were always of their particular tribe or sect or kingdom. Yeah, it was, so that was, it was Scottish. The, the idea of a pan-European whiteness doesn't begin till chattel slavery in the uh, in the New World. Thanks, England, <laughs> and the Spanish, and and, uh, <laughs> and all of those white European countries. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. The, the the whole concept of race, I mean, we could spend episodes discussing the ins yeah. and outs of, of race and racial identity and, and society and ethnocentrism. I can't say it anymore. We should leave that for the game times. <laughs> we, we should discuss this while we're rolling dice. Yeah. What are you doing, kiddo? All right. So I think we're close to, uh, to wrapping things up. I think we should allow uh, one more round of, uh, you know, Questions? Any questions anyone else has here? Any questions from the audience? They might have, you know, asking archaeologist days since you have us as a captive audience for the moment. Do they? Do they, though? For the moment. <laughs> the briefest of moments. Do, 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 do. I don't know if we're going to get anything else from the audience. The one I saw that I liked that was out this morning was it was at SWU Christoph. It was a few part one both regarding Indiana Jones. One, has X ever marked the spot in your professional career? And two, what is the most Indiana Jones experience you have ever had as an archeologist? I almost punched a Nazi once. Why only almost? Because I'm not a violent person. Mm. Sorry. We'll make a revolution of you yet. <laughs> Though I will say that X has marked the spot at least once because I drew the X there. It's not hard. You just you're, but you're not looking for the X. You're just like I found the thing. That wasn't the question. That's fair. All right. <laughs> now, now you know. Has there been an X out in the field at any point? No, I've never found an X. I don't. And so. my most Indiana Jones moment would be right we're now. We're ignoring <laughs> your hat. Right, I'm wearing my hat. I got my shirt. You do have a shirt on, Cooper. <laughs> I'm enjoying this shirt. So I'm living my Indiana Jones moment right now. I, I took my Indiana Jones Lego out in the field once and took pictures of it. Did it make you feel like Indiana Jones? I mean, I don't know what it feels like to be a guy, so it's really a difficult question for me to answer. Um, antiquarian adventurer. Antiquarian adventurer. That would be steampunk, unfortunately. The closest I am ever to Indiana Jones is when I'm playing my steampunk persona. Mine, so I use circles instead of X's on my maps, usually. So no, no, no on the X. But the my most Indiana Jones moment was staring down and backing up a bull while my <laughs> crew got in the car because it started charging us a couple of times. Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> that was a that was a fun day. I should show you pictures of the time we got swarmed by cows. I have been sworn I've been I've worked around cows before and it's never been an issue, but I've also never worked around like mixed 
herds. I've only ever been like just heifers or just, you know, just cows, no bulls. And this oh, one had bulls in with the cows while I, at least one of the cows was in heat. Yeah. I was surrounded by a dozen bulls. That's why. <laughs> because it was, it was only bulls in this field. Why? I was doing a shovel test. I sat down, I look up, and they're all staring at me. Wow. And I'm like, hey, buddies, how's it going? And you slowly and back away. I was basically slowing back away. One was going to my backpack. I'm like, no, oh, it's yours. no. It's yours now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll come back for it. They just boxed us into the car. They all came up, and we have like, we had nose prints of these cows Ooh. all over our windows. They, had, they boxed us in. We couldn't move. I was on the ground. There's no barrier between me and the bulls. I'm sitting down, so I'm already sort of in a, in a defenseless position. Oh, yeah, it was a good time. Nah, cows, no. Yeah, mine, at least, I had the option to run away if I needed to. Yeah. Cows yeah. suck. They're dangerous. They okay. are. I hate, I hate digging in cow fields where there are cows, especially, like, the females, and they've got calves. It's just like... Yeah. It's yeah, cool. We can just write it off, or we can come back. It's cool. Yeah, that one. My my bosses kept just just telling me, "Well, just 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 dig around them." One of my one of my coworkers told me to just hit him with a shovel. Yeah, that'll work. I mean, he was looking for your job, is what that was. Huh? <laughs> what did you say? He wanted he your job. For, he wanted your job. Or, no, he's he's above me. <laughs> oh shit! He was trying to well, fire you at a higher rank. Rank. That's not a word. Okay. A, I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to hit the cow to begin with because it's not your property. And B, I don't see it doing much. I don't mind hitting a cow if it's putting me or my crew in danger. Well, yeah, no, that's different. But like just walking up to him being like, move, heifer, bam, it's not well, going to no. do you any good. It's more of if the cow's getting a little extra friendly. They're just so big. They're they're big, dumb dogs. Yeah, and they'll hurt you. Easy big, dumb dogs, but... <laughs> I mean, no. they don't I mean, seem particularly menacing unless there's something for them to menace you for, but the, yeah. they'll like they'll step on you. I prefer yeah. them to younger goats, though. I fucking Ooh. hate goats. The goats but I'll deck they, a goat. They like, they like to headbutt you. I'll yeah, no. See, I feel less threatened by a goat because at least I can throw a goat. Yeah, at least, like goats aren't... Uh, goats <laughs> annoy the shit out of me, but at least you could be like... Yeah, I've had so, to do that more than once with a goat. You like grab their horn and just kind of like turn them because they won't leave you alone. But you won't get me into a field with a ram, though. Uh uh-uh. uh. I don't think I've ever had that opportunity. Um, see, this whole project, it was like this weird farm where it was like a freaking menagerie. I was gonna say, why was there a ram? There was there was all sorts of exotic. Yeah, he was like breeding show animals or something i don't know this was, a, this was some animals. sort of weird usda project <laughs> weird. i'm sorry they're probably all mutated or something i don't know <laughs> it was, i was working in i think franklin or giles county in, in virginia so like way way down in the mountains and in, in southwestern virginia we went to this place we, we called it Doolittle farm because <laughs> so he bred beagles he wow. had guinea fowl Oh, turkey, ducks, hogs. That might be it. Please tell me you had peacocks because otherwise that there may I mean been, there might have been a big Benny Peacock. I mean, he had everything. There was just there's animals everywhere. It's supposed to be like the loudest farm ever. No, actually surprisingly quiet. 
<laughs> really, guinea fowl are like ridiculously loud when they get worked guinea out. Fowl, the guinea fowl would be kind of noisy when we showed up, but once we were like not going anywhere, they would they, they would, would calm down. Okay. Um, but the beagles were super cute, and and there was this one older female that kept hanging out with us, and would like literally just like every time we dug a unit, she would just like sit on the back dirt pile because it was nice and cool. And she, she was so sweet. That's so cute. Dog the one that was a little weird was though that they definitely were curing Virginia ham. So they were they're hanging up in this barn. And most of like the hogs were in pens and I think the ducks were in pens. The sow and her piglets were all like allowed to roam around wherever. And the one day we came up and it was definitely the, the sow and the piglets were definitely just like sleeping underneath the hams. <laughs> they eat their own. So, yeah, maybe it's not that weird. It's it's pigs are they taste good. I used to have a, a well, he's my ex cousin in law now who was a pig farmer, and one of the things he told, and I was little, I was like sixteen or something like that when we went to visit his farm for some strange reason. And the first thing he tells me is, "Well, you ever got a boyfriend? You need to get rid of. I got a hog. You'll lead him." And I'm just like, I don't know where to go with that. <laughs> All right. So that was my first encounter with pigs. And yeah, apparently one of the things that they have to do first thing in the mornings, because it was one of those big industrial pig farms, they had to go through and pull out all the dead because they'll trample them. They'll trample each other at night. If you leave a dead pig in there too long, they'll eat it. Pigs well, are know, awful. They clean things up. That's, you know, you got to keep things tidy. Ugh, disgusting. <laughs> All right. So on that note, on that high note, <laughs> I think we should go ahead and conclude for tonight. So I think we'll be back again at our regular scheduled time of every other Thursday on August 1st, which should be a very interesting episode. I was going to say. That is the day Google changes and gets rid of this Hangouts. That's your, if you see the Google logo in the corner, that means we're using Hangouts on air. Google's getting rid of that on August 1st. So I'm hoping you're going to be able to see us by then. I have some plans. I think I'm trying to do some Skype and I dress this up a little bit so it might be a little look a little more professional, you know. Where's <laughs> <laughs> your backpack? You're inside. I feel like you're going to have to start wearing your backpack inside now. I have Please. my satchel. Your satchel. Wow. My satchels here. episodes. Look, the thing I've learned about satchels is, is they're just going to get you stuck on the get the bun, the gun barrel of a tank. So, well, you know, if you if you're going to see that or falling off, though, it might still work. But anyway, so we will be back August first at eight p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Hopefully, um, well, Mama might not be able to join us because then so I think she's off to do field work. Look at her trying to be a professional archaeologist. I know field work and stuff. I mean, <laughs> I'll eventually be back out in the field in August. So, so uh, until then, uh, please uh, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. I think all that is somewhere. I think the share button is over here, and subscribe button might be somewhere over there. On the bar underneath here. It's all, it's all under it's all under here someplace. So. There's buttons, push them. Share, you know, follow us on Facebook. We have a Facebook page now. Um at Archeo RPG. We have our Twitter account, we have our Instagram, we have our blog, Archeo uh, RPG.com. 
And I should hopefully by the time we're doing this, we can be professional enough where I can have a title card that has all that written on there and I don't have to try to say it all uh, off the top of my head. <laughs> we'll have outro music. Do, 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 oh, speaking do, of which, do. did anyone watch the very special episode of Still Digging where I, I took an excerpt of our discussion of orcs and racism? Uh, within tabletop role playing and and cut out the thirty minute cons- discussion and made a special video out of it. I did some editing to it. I added it's some terrifying beginning. that we talked about that for thirty minutes. I did some uh, I did some beginning music and some outro music. I added some a title card to it. The music was really high high energy, and I did appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> so so if you haven't seen that already, look on the channel and, and please go watch that. So until next time. Man, this is annoying. This stupid thing. <laughs> All right. Until next time. Uh, bye. Is anybody else saying bye? Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Still Digging from the Archeo RPG Collective. Please like, share, and subscribe. You can contact us at our website, www.archeorpg.com, and through our email address at rqrpg at gmail.com. We're also available on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Search for RQRPG. Please consider becoming a patron of our podcast at www.patreon.com slash At the $1 level, you get access to our Discord server. Still Digging is a product of the RQRPG Collective. Once again, thank you for listening, and until next time, keep digging.